For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. June the 22nd, welcome in to Stacking the Box with my friend Matt Berteram. I am Mark Carmen, Mac Hollins, wide receiver. The Miami Dolphins will be joining us on the podcast today. And we also are going to check in with some of our Miami Dolphin fan-sided experts on the fin side, Brian Cantanzaro, Paul Pickin Jr. covering the Dolphins. So, Take a look at Miami today. Verderam, though, let, let's start with the big news here. Um, how much did you know about Carl Nassib b- before he made the announcement yesterday uh, that he is a gay man? And, of course, he plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, you being the diehard football guy, you know, I'm, I'm doing the research myself now that, oh, wow, he was, uh, you know, a star at Penn State. But, I, you know, this was not uh, someone that was, like, front and center for the NFL, but he obviously is right now. Yeah, look, I, I knew a little bit about him. You know, I knew I did know he went to Penn State. Believe was a second round pick. If memory serves me right. Um, was was a guy who was a star on Hard Knocks actually a handful of years ago, talking about different things in terms of economics. I, I remember that, and he was talking to players about how they should invest their money, and guys were looking at him like he had three heads. And, um, yeah, I, I remember. Look, he's been a good rotational edge rusher for a while in the NFL. He's not a guy who's ever going to make a pro bowl or an all pro team, but he's, he's carved out a nice career. It's kind of bounced around a little bit. As you mentioned, now he's with the Raiders, obviously. Yes. Um, you know, we record here on a Tuesday morning as we always do. This, this news came out, I believe it was in the afternoon on Monday. Uh, he posted on Instagram and just, I, I thought it was really actually compelling the way he did it. He just went, went, put a video on Instagram and said, Hey, I'm at my house in uh, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Oh, and, and by the way, I'm gay. And I, I thought it was well done um, in the sense of that he came off very comfortable with himself. And, and that, that's great because, look, I don't care where anybody falls in any of this stuff. The bottom line is everybody should be accepted for who they are. Um, and, and if we're ever going to move forward and evolve as a society, we need people like Carl Nassif who are going to come out and say, look, this is who I am. This is, this is a part of my story. And I'm comfortable with it being out in the light and not hidden in the darkness. And, and I, I commend him for that because that's a very tough thing to do. Uh, and in a sport that let's face it, you've been in locker rooms. I've been in locker rooms. It is very testosterone filled on alpha males in that room. It's not easy to come out and be different in any way, let alone 
being a gay man in a sport that is full of machismo. The first active NFL player, uh, pretty amazing. And listen, he's got uh, a $25 million contract and Raiders owner Mark Davis uh, saying, quote, it's 2021, all the more power to Carl. It doesn't change my opinion of him as a person or as a Raider, uh, not to go at Mark Davis, but I think it actually should change your opinion of him as a person or a Raider. I, I like him even. Thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you're, you're, you're missing, like it just, people are going to uh, miss the point here. Uh, I think a bunch. And, you know, if, if we rewind back to when Michael Sam was coming into the draft and he comes out and then all of a sudden he's not picked until the sixth round. And then he's quickly uh, cut by the Rams and never right. given an opportunity anywhere else. People are like, Oh no, it's because he's just not that good. Of no, it was because he was gay. Uh, most likely he would have been on a roster at bare minimum as a special teams player. The guy had a phenomenal college career. So the talent level uh, does matter here because uh, Carl Nassif is, is, is well, I don't think he's getting cut. I think he's going to have an NFL he's a solid career. player. Right. Um, yeah. it, it would be, it would be very over the top alarming. If all of a sudden he was out of the league, it would be a terrible look for the NFL. And I, I mean, I, I think we all don't no. think that's going to happen. No, not at all. I, I would be stunned. And I, I, I think a lot of people, including myself would be, would be infuriated. Um, look, I'm not somebody who is, over the top about, you know, we, we have to always be considering every little thing in the world because sometimes in sports, it is a very much a bottom line business. You want the best players on your team, but that's kind of the point here, right? Like you want the best players on your team. Carl not Nassib is absolutely a player that the Raiders should want on their team. He is somebody who makes their defense better. He's not a great player. Like let's let's not you know like he is what he, he's a, he's a rotational edge rusher who will play behind Max Crosby and who will play behind Yannick Ngakwe he'll play alongside Cleveland Farrell that's fine like that's what Carl Nassib was brought in to be right like that he you know, he he bounced around a little bit with Cleveland and Tampa as you mentioned he's on a three year twenty five million dollar contract okay he's done his job fine and he's somebody who who does give you a little juice and and by the way if he had been a free agent right now i believe he would have signed in in camp i think he would have been the kind of player who would have caught on somewhere um this is a really good thing for the nfl because i will say this to people who maybe are more closed minded if you don't think there have been gay players in the nfl before you're crazy if you think he's the only gay player in the nfl right now you're crazy like just do the math on you know the percentage of the population that identifies as, as gay or bisexual or wh whatever whatever you want to look at, the the odds are overwhelming that there are many gay players in professional sports right now, and Carl Nassib just happens to be one who feels comfortable enough to come out and say, "Hey, look, I, I'm gay," and you all hopefully can accept that because I'm I'm cool with it myself. And I think, by the way. I've been heartened to see a lot of responses. J.J. Watt was a guy who came out and right away said, hey, good for you, Carl. You know, a lot of players that a lot of teams have, teams across all sports, by the way, not just the NFL. That's the kind of response that is going to allow other gay athletes to come out and feel confident in themselves. And I think that's a really good thing and something that needs to be 
you know, taken into account and, and taken forward here as we move on and we try to evolve as we're now in the 21st century. Some of the comments out there, I, Warren Moon stood out to me. Yeah. Re- really proud of Carl Nassib, the first active football player to ever do so. I played with several guys, several guys, let, let that sink yeah. in for a second, who never were comfortable enough to go public. They were great teammates and obviously very talented. That speaks to, I don't want to read too much into that, but it feels like players that Warren knew that in all likelihood told him that, you know, Hey, this is, you know, this is what I do with my private time. This is my life, but I'm, I'm not coming out, dude. Cause I want to continue to play football with you. It almost sounds like or Warren just had a sense of it, but it almost feels like he was having conversations with dudes. James Franklin, who coached him at Penn state. I thought his, I mean, this is where I actually felt the emotion myself. I just, I don't know. This one hit me. I was proud of Carl when he led the nation in sacks, but I'm even more proud of him now. Like that is a, freaking statement um and he, he continues on i'm very proud of carl for his courage and voice the announcement doesn't surprise me because if you know carl you know his strength carl's story continues to add chapters which will have an impact well beyond the field of play his care and love for those around him, particularly those in need has always been obvious his generosity and advocacy for the Trevor project, which is by the way, that's where he's donating a hundred thousand dollars. Carl Nassib is, is yet another shining example of his huge heart is inspired Fumi and I to donate $10,000 to the Trevor project as well. Carl's brave announcement will forge a path for others to be true to their authentic self. I was proud of Carl when he led the nation in sacks as we get back to the first part, but I'm even more proud of him now. I mean, that is a big deal. It just, it, you know, that is the head coach of one of the premier uh, football universities. Let's not, let's forget the past for a minute there at good old Penn state, at least the ugly part of it. And uh, you know, for him to be and it's just a big deal. At Roger Goodell is a big deal. The NFL, the NFL has moved a long way from where they were at, and it wasn't that long ago that were you know when this would it, it would not the news would not have been received like this. Carl, let's be real. I mean, I'm 32. If this if if Carl Nassib was transported 20 years ago into the past and did this, I don't know that it would have been received very well. It wouldn't have been. Like, let's just be real, right? I mean, forgive me. I should I should probably know this off the top of my head, but how long ago was it in this country that gay marriage was, was approved and allowed a decade well, ago? Was it even that? Well, let's go back to, you know, I was, I was reading today about don't ask, don't tell. Sure. That, that's 1992. Right. That's under Clinton. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we're, you know, if you want to be in the, you know, you can only give a whole history on don't ask, don't tell, but that was uh you know, there was huge well, battles going on whether or not gays should be allowed in the military. And and then we got to don't ask, don't tell to try to make it um, more accessible for those I who mean, wanted to serve. Years, sure. I mean, it's a great point. A handful of years before that, we had the AIDS crisis in the 80s where you know the government basically wouldn't recognize it for about half the decade. So the point we're all trying to make here is society has come a long way. In the, in the way that Carl Nassib's message has been received. But the point also has to be that it took Carl Nassib a long time, I believe he's 28 years old, to be confident enough and comfortable enough to come out and say this. How many other people live in silence? Like, for an example, okay, this is going way back. Dave Copay, 
um, was a running back for Washington back in the late sixties under actually under played under Vince Lombardi. And um, he, he was a gay man who, who after his career wrote a book and came out as such uh, didn't during his time in the NFL where he, he played for a variety of different teams, played for five different teams over the course of like nine years. Um, and he wrote that he had essentially a, a, an affair with another player on the team, which is widely thought to be uh, Jerry Smith, who you could argue, by the way, should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, it was it was a receiver slash tight end. Um, you know, unfortunately, Jerry Smith actually died of age in, in the uh, 80s. Um, but, you know, here's here are two guys on the same team back then. The same team. Now, you know, th- that would that would have if then would I forget it. I mean, both guys would have been blackballed for life. Now they played under Lombardi, and Lombardi is actually one of the most forward-thinking people in the world on that at the time because his brother was gay. Okay. So but but the point being, even though that seems like forever ago, it's 50 years ago. And we're and you and I are sitting here giving examples of you know 10, 20, 25 years ago, right? So it it's good to see things have, having come as far as they have. And Carl Nassib having the ability and, and the, the confidence to come out as he has will help young athletes, will help even athletes of, of his own age to feel more confident and comfortable in their skin. And, and that is something that should be celebrated by everybody. And, and, and if it's not, then you need some self-reflection. Well, I love that you brought up Lombardi, um, who, by the way, back in the day, supposedly would fire a coach or release a player if they were going to insult anybody's sexual orientation. That would, yes. that, and and the, the, obviously it was very, very personal uh, for Vince, but like the most machismo guy of all time. And that was his stance. It's, it's pretty damn good. Uh, I mean, Chris Culliver, right? The 49ers. Remember, yeah. he was on the it was he was on the Artie Lang show. He was asked about whether he thought there were gay players on the team. He said, "quote No, we don't got no gay people on the team. They got to get up out of here if they do. Can't be with that sweet stuff." I mean, that's two. That's 2013, and you had uh, Brendan Ayambadejo at the time saying that he thought that like 50 percent of the league agreed with Culliver. That's I mean, we're talking eight years ago here. And by so, the way, there's still plenty of guys I'm sure that agree oh, for, with Chris Culliver. Like let's let's also keep it real, okay? Of course, of course. There are there are plenty of guys in that league, players, coaches. I'm sure a handful of execs who they're not cool with what Carl Nassib said, and they are not okay with it, and they wouldn't want to shower with 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 Carl Nassib. They wouldn't want to dress the same locker room. And to those people, grow up, grow up. Like you, at some point, need to realize. That the world around you is not just a, is not exactly what you always think it should be. And in this case, by the way, if you think it should be a world that doesn't include people that have the sexual orientation of Carl Nassib, then you're a moron, right? And you're and you're you have some issues. Again, you ought to look in the mirror over. But that, like again, that's what makes it. I I, I don't know. I, I brave almost seems like the like it, 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 courageous. I feel like is the better word. Like it. It's a courageous thing with NASA because it's not going to be 60 guys in that locker room who are like, hey, Carl, loved it. There certainly will be a lot who give him a ton of support. There will absolutely be other guys in that room who the second he walks out or turns around and sometimes even right to his face are going to say things to him about it. That's reality. It would be interesting if they actually – I would hope that they wouldn't – that uh, the, the elite – and not that – 
by the way, behind the back is any better. But I, I maybe I'm an idiot, but I would be surprised if people confronted him. Maybe they might ask some some weird questions like how did how that happened to you? Or I don't I don't even know. But you got Saquon Barkley history tweet. Much respect, yep. much respect, brother. Jason Collins, of course, from the NBA. Very proud of Carl Nassib. Incredibly happy for him, and can't wait to watch him play. Sean Merriman. Congrats to Carl Nassib on coming out. That's a big step. I think that most players are concerned if you can play or not. So Sean being optimistic on that. That's true. Um, yeah. I, can you well, help right. us win? Can <laughs> yeah. you help us win? I mean, that is the overriding thing in every professional sport. This is a business. This is not a game. It's a business. Can you help us win? Carl Nassib is a player who absolutely deserves to be a rotational player on that team. That's what he's been. It's what he'll continue to be. And I think it's a good thing going forward. Um, yes. We still have a long way to go. And, yes, again, I, I do believe, unfortunately, there will be guys who say things that they shouldn't say. God knows during a game against him, players against him, they will say things they should not say. I, I would, frankly, be stunned if that does not happen. But the fact that Nassib came out and felt confident to do so is a great thing, and hopefully it empowers other people to come out and live their truths and feel good about being in the light with it and not always feel like, well, I have to hide this part of me because it's, it's something that'll be shamed or not accepted, so on and so forth. Public sentiment, though, is... Uh, Overwhelmingly I, positive. Yeah, it has, has shifted dramatically. So I'm not sure if you're right about that, Burren, because... I if, hope I'm not. Yeah, I hope it, I'm not. I really it, do. If on the field it got called out that so-and-so said X, uh, you know, he th- th- that would... That would not be a good look uh, as far as how it would for, for that would not be covered favorably and rightfully no. so. And, and I don't, I don't think guys would be openly wanting to have that level of attention. You would hope uh, if for nothing else, rather than just being a good person, um, you know, just for self-preservation purposes, but all right, uh, Carl Nassib, I thought the Raiders, by the way, proud of you, Carl, with their tweet. And I thought the chargers with, um, you know, some things are bigger than sports or there, some things are bigger than a rivalry is what they said. Uh, all uh, just just like, hey, we're, we are moving forward. Nice to see. Um, all right. We got Mac Collins coming up, but let's uh, let's talk some NFL head coaches. So many new head coaches, um, the Jets, the Jags, the Texans, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Lions, the Falcons. Verem, could you name because you're Matt Verderam every head coach off the top of your head? Yes, you could. Okay, because yes. I, I will not I, bore everybody with that. But yes. yes, I mean it's it's almost like it it has to be said. I think the Jets, Robert Salah, the Jags, Urban Meyer, the Texans, David Collier, the Chargers, Brandon Staley, the Eagles, Nick Sirianni, the Lions, Dan Campbell, the Falcons, Arthur Smith. I had to write this down. The, I mean, it's it's a massive amount of change. Oh, I I have to know, and I would hope that I know all the coordinators off the top of my head. If I don't, that's that's a failure on my part. Um, no, hey, seven new coaches. I. I put this in stack in the box to column. Actually, it'll go up next week. I'm, I'm in the process of writing it now. This is the first time that every opening has been filled by a first-time head coach since 2008. Wow! So it's been everybody every other year since then. It's been retreads at least at least one or you know one or more retreads. Um, the last time that we we had uh, all new coaches there were four of them and i'm trying to do this off the top of my head it was mike smith in atlanta it was tony sperano in miami it was john harbaugh 
in Baltimore, who certainly had uh, the best tenure. And then the other one is escaping me. Um, but there were four. And it worked, it worked out great for Baltimore. Sperano flamed out. Um, you know, but Mike Smith had a, had a solid tenure in Atlanta. Didn't, didn't win a Super Bowl bunch of playoffs a bunch. And then I do remember that the last one, I'm forgetting who it was off the top of my head. I remember it did not go well. It was, it was not, um, it was not long lasting. It was not a wonderful marriage. Who it's, it's actually a nice little history lesson there. Uh, and it's, and I had, I really hadn't thought of it that way. Just letting it sink in that it's always retreads always. And okay, here we go. New guys getting opportunities. And I mean, Urban Meyer's not exactly a new guy, but he's new to the being a head coach in the NFL. Who do you think is in the best position to succeed? I think it's Brendan Staley. The Chargers, first of all, are the best of those teams. Okay. I think most reasonable minds would agree. They have 33 to 1 Super Bowl odds. Nobody else even has, like, if you doubled that out of that new group. Okay. So I like Staley. Now, I have concerns with Brendan Staley. He's only been an NFL coach for four years. He's 37 years old, okay? You're, you're asking a lot. By the way, the other coach, I, I just thought of him, Jim Zorn in Washington. Didn't there you go. Him, okay? Um, I, I actually, though, I think a couple of these guys will be good. Now, if you look at history of 70 of these coaches, two of them will probably be, like, legitimate mainstays with their team for a while. Three of them will be absolute disasters, and then another two will be decent, okay? If I had to bet my mortgage on which two guys will be really good, I just think Staley's got Herbert, so he's got a big leg up. Like, you have to bet on the guys who got the really good young quarterback. He, then, was, he was really well-respected in Chicago, and there was a – when when they let Vic Fangio uh, – or when Fangio left, I shouldn't say yep, let him go. Took him to Denver, yeah. Yeah, many people thought that he should have yes. been the Bears defensive coordinator, and it, did, and it didn't happen, and that was clearly a mistake yeah. in Chicago, yeah. uh, many, one of many. But continue on. No, he did a very good job there. He did a very good job at the Rams last year as a D coordinator. He's young, and he's inexperienced, but I, I do think he's bright, and he's got the quarterback. You know what? I like Salah a lot. I've, I remember meeting with him, speaking with him at length at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. He was a really interesting guy. I think of all of them, look, David Culley's just got the biggest uphill battle. I think there's a question. That is, he's an older guy. It's a brutal spot. Sirianni in Philly, that's a tough job. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I'll give you the sleeper. I actually like him. I think Dan Campbell's going to do a much better job than people think in Detroit. Uh, what about Salah? I just said I like Salah. Okay, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I must have. You must have fell asleep there. I, yeah. <laughs> I like. No, I look. I like Salah. Here's the thing, though. I always look at organizations too, and I know Campbell with the Lions. Like you'd say, well, then how could you feel that way? He surrounded himself with a lot of good people. Brad Holmes has a ton of respect around the league. John Dorsey going in there as a player evaluator. Nobody has drafted better than John Dorsey in the last decade. Okay, they brought in Anthony Lynn as a coordinator. He's a very good coordinator. Like Campbell, people always love to make like the biting kneecaps joke. He has a really good staff, a really good front office. They, by the way, they have a new owner in Detroit, even though it's the same family, new owner. And also because of the Stafford trade, they have a million picks. Like, I don't think they're going to be good this year. I think, again, I think Staley's got the best chance to be good this year, but I like Campbell a lot. And Arthur Smith is interesting. I just think the Falcons are in a rough spot right now. 
Yeah. And hey, you you know, Lions, Jared Goff's not exactly uh, old. So, you know, sure. I mean, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback, but you could be starting out at a worse spot. Uh, let's pause here uh, while we, well, actually not pause, but let's, uh, we'll take a quick timeout and come on back here with Mac Hollins. Uh, of your Miami Dolphins and after that we're going to talk some Dolphins football along with around the league with uh, Brian Cantanzaro and Paul Pickin Jr. from On the Fin Side that is next on Stack in the Box. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Straight out of the University of North Carolina. I know he deep down loves my guy. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Hey, Mac Hollins, back with the Miami Dolphins. Good to see you again, my friend. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I appreciate you being on Stack in the Box. And, uh, well, first of all, you know, uh, just for you personally, uh, looking at this year coming up here, your fifth year in the league, I mean, you were a walk-on at North Carolina, fourth-round draft pick in Philly. Uh I don't want to just celebrate being still in the league because I know you got more to do than that, but that's a, it's a pretty big accomplishment that you're, you're still rolling and looking for more. Yeah. I think it's, it's funny when you're in the moment, you don't really realize what's going on in the moment. Uh, you know, when you take a step back and I realize I came out of North Carolina five years ago and I'd say probably 80% of the guys, 90% that even made it to the league of that group isn't in the league anymore. And it's like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm still kind of chugging along and still getting an opportunity to, play a children's game at the end of the day. So it's uh, it's pretty cool when you really step back and look at the big picture. If you were to try to bottom line why you've been successful, what would you say? Uh, I think it's just, just the, the work that I put in. Uh, I was raised that way. Me and my three brothers were all raised that way to just put in the work. You don't have to be the best at anything, but you got to outwork everybody. And it sounds cliche, but a lot of people just don't do it. Um, anybody at the top will tell you like they put in a lot of work. There's nobody that's in the hall of fame cause they lucked into it or they just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, so yeah, just the work that I put in has prepared me and allowed me to continue to play at a high level. Did you always have that? Were you like the high school kid that was getting straight A's and was in working out at 6am or did you have to grow into that? Um, so my brother, older brother was the straight A guy. Um, uh, he's a good athlete, but he went to Stanford Worked at Goldman Sachs, now getting his MBA at Harvard. So he's that side. I am the athlete. So I was the athlete guy, play all the sports and was really good. Um, and then my younger brother is a mix of both. He ended up being a Marine. Um, now he's at Columbia. So I'm like of the totem pole. I'm probably at the bottom uh, of success wise, but I'm always fighting for more. But yeah, I guess I was just the guy that just like loved. My parents said I had a fire and an anger in me. That's why I was good at sports. I don't know if I'm allowing you to put yourself at the bottom. You, you're. Uh, it's tough competition in in Holland's house. Yeah. Well. Okay. You. 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 In the NFL for five years, that's like, at least from my sports view, that's, that's an elite, elite country club to be allowed into for this long of a period well, of time. So, yeah. So. Hopefully, it'll go a little longer. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, there's been 
Huge NFL news this offseason. Um, I'm, I'm saying this slightly tongue-in-cheek with the first one that I'm mentioning. Uh, Tua threw five interceptions at practice. Um, that, like, you're out there, you're seeing Tua. Like, tell people why Tua is going to be successful. I think that's just how, like, how people are. They see something. They see it's a, a line like, hey, it was five picks thrown. And it's like, listen, that's – you don't have any any context, like – did a ball get tipped? Did a ball get dropped? Did a did like well, there's no context to it. So Tua is going to be a great player. He works hard. He puts in the work. He understands the offense. That's the biggest thing I think at the quarterback position that I've seen over my five years. The quarterbacks that understand the offense the best are the most successful. Whether they have the arm talent or not, the arm talents, you know, that's a, a added bonus, which is great because Tua has that as well. But knowing the offense and being so comfortable in it, where you can just sit back there and. Before you walk out out the huddle and you're seeing a defense, you're like, oh, I already know who's about to be open. I know this guy's most likely – if he's not open, I know for sure this guy will be open. And that's the stuff he's starting to pick up on, and it's exciting to see. You're not in his shoes, but do you think the pandemic was just a, I don't know, a huge hill decline for people coming in last year, rookies who were not going to you – know, no training camp and that, you know, no, I have no preseason games, rather, just t- a totally different feel. Yeah, I think it was definitely tough – for them, if I were to, you know, try to be in their shoes just because they don't understand how the NFL works, really, how the work works is you're, you know, you have a lot of time in a day, you know, you don't have school work, you don't have stuff to do. So you get done in the off season when we're not training, you're done at like 2 PM or earlier and guys have to understand, Hey, you still got some hours where you can either be on the drugs machine or studying the playbook or doing something. But if you're not forced to go to study hall or forced to do something, a lot of guys are like, Hey, I'll just hang out at the house. I got my lift in, I got practice in, I'm good. And that's not the case. So it was tough for guys. But I think it's kind of good. It may sound weird, but good for the league overall because it weeds out the guys that don't really put in work. Because you show up to training camp and you find out which guys were actually putting in the work and which guys were, like, really dedicated to the craft. You can't hide from that. It, yeah. It's, it, it, it's going to show up. What, what makes Brian Flores so impactful? Uh, I think it's that he's straightforward. He don't care if you're the top dog or the bottom feeder. Like, yeah. He going he gonna to bring you up. In meetings, like, this ain't the shit we do. This stuff right here, we don't do this. Or, like, this is great. Like, he going – if you're on the practice squad, he's going to congratulate you the same way if you scored the game and touchdown. And that's important. It doesn't seem important to, like, from an outside perspective, but in a team environment where, like, you may not seem like you're as valued. You think, like, hey, I'm not as valued. I'm a practice squad guy. But you are, and that's really important overall because you practice harder, which makes the look teams – go harder because they see you going and then the real teams has to go harder because they're like, I slow down, but you're not. And now everybody starts pushing hard and, you know, it's iron sharpens iron type of mentality. So that's what's really, I think, makes him successful. So especially for a guy like you, who maybe he's going to see one ball a game or three balls a game. Maybe, you know, he appreciates me just like he appreciates whatever. You exactly. Know? Yeah. yeah. Like me and Devontae going to have, he going to chew me and Devontae out the same way, <laughs> yeah. which is great. I get yeah. my laughs in when he's getting chewed out and he gets his when I'm getting chewed out. Can you? Uh, I'm just. I'm always focused on the quarterbacks here, but can you explain the, the magic that that is Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like, this dude's gonna be 40 years old, and uh, he, you know he has his moments where he he's not like on his A game, but the A game just keeps popping up all the time for him. Yeah, well, he he's definitely a, he's a special dude. Uh, really on and off the field. Obviously, you know it. Whether you met him, I don't know if you met him or not, but like you just everybody tells the same story of like how great he is. And I think that's another reason why he's been so successful in the league and continue to play at a really high level. Like he'll throw three picks in a game and then go throw five touchdowns. And that's like, because he's, 
he's so comfortable in who he is. If I have a bad game, I'm, I know that I've worked hard. I know that I've done the preparation and, you know, things don't always work out. This is the highest level of football. There's going to be days where you get beat, but to stack those days up is something you can't do. And he rarely stacks bad days. Like the next game, he's going to come out and ball out and he's just able to do that. And he has fun and smiles and laughs and like, doesn't take his life too seriously. And that's why he keeps playing for a hundred years. I imagine him to be very fun in the huddle or is it just all business? Oh yeah. yeah, He's great. Now he'll go in there and like, if guys are talking, like he'll joke and be like, yo, shut the hell up. Like he's gonna he gonna mess around. Like he doesn't take it too serious. But when it's like when it's go time, he's gonna he's gonna be real. But he he understands he can read a room really well, uh, which is a unique quality. So probably gonna have an impact on Tua down the line here, just being around him for a year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's anybody that's lucky enough to whether you play quarterback or not, um, is lucky to play with with fans. Very so cool. Definitely help Tua. We met you at the Super Bowl a couple of years back, Matt. Uh, you you were working with Special Olympics. I know it's something that's always on your heart. The games are coming up in 2022. Uh, we're working on a piece with the Shriver family that we're super excited about. A fan sided, like why? I see the smile popping up here. Why is it something that's always been on your heart? Uh, I think it's just the 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 feeling. It's kind of selfish. The feeling I get when I'm around like Special Olympics events and Special Olympic athletes, like they're just so true to who they are. And they're so genuine and they treat you really how you treat them. If you come off as a jerk, like they're going to feel like, why are you being a jerk? But like, if you just are a nice person, there's they'll smile. They're like the greatest people. And I love, I love being around them and they'll shoot it straight with me. And I don't have to fake to be somebody that I'm not. They don't want anything out of me. All they, all they do is just enjoy, you know, the presence of being around me. And I love being around them. And then like the impact that it has and kind of really changing people's, views on how they look at people with intellectual disabilities it was special olympics is something driven by special olympics athletes it's not for special olympics athletes you know it's bigger than oh it's just helping people with intellectual disabilities no we're doing more than that we're like shriver's original goal was more than just hey let's 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 do stuff for intellectual disabilities no it's it's a much bigger thing and you see it like world games and the u.s games how big it's it's grown i mean yeah the awareness and um and I think at least something that seems to be resonating a lot these days is let's have a little more empathy for everybody out there. There was, uh, you know, just jumping off of that, there was big news in the NFL yesterday. Uh, Carl Nassib is, uh, came out as a gay man playing for the Raiders. And the reaction from the league was exactly, I think, what you would want. I mean, Las Vegas with a great tweet and the Chargers saying some things are bigger than football and a ton of guys weighing in. Um, you know, what were your thoughts when you saw it? Yeah, I think that's, I think it's great. I think it's, it's kind of funny because I think five, 10 years ago, it wouldn't have had that same reaction as unfortunate as that is. So it's really great that now, like, what's it matter what he is? Does that make him not play well? Like, no, like if you play well, you play well. It don't matter who, who you are, gay, straight, lesbian, whatever you may be. Like if you play well, you play well. That's the name of the game is to play well on, on Sundays. So I think it's awesome. Uh, I think it'll, hopefully allow, allow some other guys to, you know, c- come out and live their, live their life and not feel like they have to hide anything. Um, so, yeah, I think it's awesome. That, that was one of the interesting comments that I was, uh, you know, the commissioner's making, uh, you know, may had a statement, Saquon Barkley, which had much, much respect, Jason Collins from the NBA, Sean Merriman, Merriman I mean, just a, a long, long list, but I, Warren Moon's comment um, rang out to me. He, you know, 
uh, he said, really proud of Carl, first active football player to ever do. So I play with several guys who were never comfortable enough to go public. They were great teammates and obviously very talented. So, you know, you're in the locker room, you probably get a sense and you're not trying to like pry into someone's life, but like you see it. Right. And like, you're like, and you, I know that you probably don't feel comfortable to do this. So I thought that was a pretty big comment by Warren. Yeah, that's been, I mean, even if you look like just statistically, there's got to be guy, other guys in the locker room and it's got to be tough. To, if you put yourself in those shoes, like you see how a lot of guys react. Like, I would never want to be around a gay guy. I can't be in the locker room. And it's like, he don't like you. Like, you're, not the, you're not that guy. Like He don't even like you. So stop acting like that's the reason right. just because you, uh, uh, un, you know, you don't feel safe like, or you don't feel comfortable. That's on you. That's a personal thing. He's not bothering anybody if he, whatever his sexual preference is. Like, Right. That's a look in the mirror moment. Yeah, I think it, I think it's great. Like what Warren Warren said, I think that's awesome. You know, like guys, because you you get out of the league and you really you learn about these guys that are like, oh, he was gay. Uh, he, maybe Warren knew that during the league in the league, like, hey, he was or maybe was. But it's great to, you know, to have somebody come out, especially it may be tough to sound, but like a good like a player that's playing really well, because it's easier for guys to be like, OK, well, he's playing well. Right. It's got big money. He's going nowhere. So, yeah. uh, and, and giving back the way is it's a huge courage. So, uh, appreciate you chiming in on it. What let's go back to the field before we get you on out of here. Uh, why are the dolphins in the playoffs this year? I know it's June the 22nd, but, uh, you guys, uh, there's big dreams going on down in there in Miami. Yeah. I think the dreams always, you know, Super Bowl and win it, but one game at a time is kind of what we've got ingrained by coach Flores. It's like, you take one game at a time and you don't have to worry about the back end of the season. You know, you just win one at a time. So that's our goal. Win, the, win week one versus New England and then just let, let those dominoes fall from there. Always great to see you, Mac. Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate you. Let's, uh, let's connect again down the line here and uh, best of luck the rest of the offseason and have a great, great season. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Thank you to Mac Hollins as we continue on stacking the box. This is a fun opportunity. We've got our guys from on the fin side, Paul Pickin Jr., Brian Catanzaro. Cat and Paul are with us here as we look at the upstart Dolphins. Y'all in uh, any Tua panic over there? You guys, you guys, by the way, thanks for joining us. I'm saying they're shaking their heads. I think, well, at least Paul's shaking his head. No. No, not, not panic, not based on anything that's happened recently. That's for sure. I, I'm very much, very much of the belief that if, if it weren't for two things last year, then the narrative on, on Tua uh, would be completely different. Um, n- number one, uh, if, if it weren't for Justin Herbert going one spot later and setting the league record and touchdowns for a quarterback, and number two, if Tua weren't pulled in two games against the Raiders and the Broncos, I think he would be regarded as having a, a positive rookie year. But those things have thrown that narrative off, and some of it's fair, some of it's not fair. So, I, you know, I like the Tua pick originally, but um, and, and I'm still hopeful for it. But 
you know, I, I don't feel a lot differently than I did a year ago. Yeah. And for me, I, I look at it and Tua, you know, we got to training camp last year and he was still on crutches. Like it's, he didn't have an off season as a rookie. Yeah. Justin Herbert didn't either, but we talked about it a lot in our game preview for the chargers. Justin Herbert was in a ridiculously friendly offense for him with a hell of a cast out there uh, around him. And Tua was out here throwing to Isaiah Ford some weeks in an offense that was built for Ryan Fitzpatrick with an offensive coordinator that refused to open the playbook for him and still did well. My biggest barometer for him last year was, did he pass the eye test? He did. And could he stay healthy? And he did. So he's gotten in way better shape this offseason. Yeah, he threw five picks the first day of OTAs in a monsoon on a day that Brian Flores literally had the offense trying to fit aggressive throws in to see if they could. Big deal. Yeah, I. you know what? I tend to agree that the mini camp thing isn't big. I actually wrote about it in Stack and Box last week. Like for me, he threw five picks in a practice. Now, look, would, would he walk out and go, yeah, I feel great about that? No, I mean, no, nobody feels great about throwing almost a half dozen picks in any practice. I don't care who you are. But I'm old enough to remember when Patrick Mahomes was a first year, when it was his first year starting, his second year in the league. And it actually got to a point where it was a story out, out of Kansas City how many picks he threw in training camp. And he threw some outrageous amount. And people were freaking out about it. And he did okay. He ended up going for 5,100 yards and 50 touchdowns and was the MVP of the league. Now, I'm not saying Tua is going to put up those numbers. That would be unbelievable. But I'll take it. Yeah, I bet you would. But <laughs> I, I think in the end, though, like his, his story this year is going to be defined by there is no safety net in Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's out the door now. He's in Washington. Jacoby Brissett's a fine backup, but obviously he's not the future of Miami. It's Tua. They went out and they drafted Jalen Waddell, his old running mate at Alabama. They have Devontae Parker, who's one of the better receivers in the league. They also have Mike Kosicki, who is a solid tight end. The offensive line's been built up the last couple of years. I think it'd be unreasonable to ask Tua to go out and throw for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. But, yeah, I'd like to see him this season go out and throw for 4,000 yards and throw for 25 touchdowns. Because if he does that, they're going to make the playoffs. And to me, if you're Miami, anything less than that is a failure. So I'm, I still think he's an intriguing player. But I do think, yeah, look, you have to see growth this year. By the way, the same way you have to see it out of Joe Burrow, who was in a, a brutal spot in Cincinnati, couldn't block for anybody. But I agree with you, Kat. Herbert set the bar so high last year because of how great he was that it, it does. It, it makes it makes Tua, by comparison, maybe look more poor than, than in reality he actually was. I mean, I don't want to give you guys the roadmap of how this goes, but, you know, after year one, Mitchell Trubisky looked like somewhat close re remotely to a Patrick Mahomes who hadn't played and, and, and was like, you know, at least within like distant shouting distance to Sean Watson. Now take what's happened with Watson off the field that way. And then that just separated to this is the worst draft pick of all time. And now, of course, he's backing up Josh Allen in Buffalo. I, I'm not saying it's going to go that way for Tua, but I, I am interested, Kat, because Paul said he passed the eye test, and I obviously didn't watch nearly the amount of Dolphins football that you guys did. I'm, I'm assuming you saw basically every minute. But I didn't think he passed the eye test. I thought he looked wobbly as hell out there, but maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, so Tua played nine games, and in two of those games against the Bengals and the Cardinals – that's the Tua that the Dolphins drafted. But 
you also counterbalance that with, okay, he was pulled in the fourth quarter of the Raiders and the Broncos games because he was playing so terribly. So I, with, when it comes to Tua, I say there are a lot of excuses for him last year and that, you know, he didn't throw for a lot of yards. Yeah. They were six and three with him, but uh, it was more defense and special teams than anything else. So he passed the eye test and showed glimpses in those two games, the rest of it. No, it's got to get a lot better. And when, when you take a look at it with, with Tua now from 2020 to 2021 and 2020, you can say a lot of things that are excuses. You know, he's, he was a rookie. He was in that major, uh, had that major injury the year before. They're all excuses, but they're, I'd say they're good excuses too. Now in 2021, you spread the field out um, and, and you let Tua be more of a car dealer, which he was at Alabama. Uh, with Jalen Waddle, with Will Fuller, with Mike Kosicki, with Devontae Parker. So the good news is with Tua, the Dolphins are not going to be waiting seven years to get an answer on him like they were with Ryan Tannehill. I think they're going to know that answer at the end of maybe not this year, but at least at the end of the 2022 season. Yeah, I just just want to add to that as well, because I know, Kat, you brought up the Cincinnati and Arizona games. I wasn't down on Tua's performance in that blowout in Buffalo. Um, the final week of the season. It's you look back at that, the only semi healthy receiver he had at that point was Devontae Parker. Mike Kosicki was battling a neck injury still. And I want to say even Devontae Parker played horribly in that game. There were roughly 12 to 13 drops in a game where Tua still completed 35 passes, threw for 361 yards. At least one interception bounced off somebody's hands. I think Mac Hollins, if I remember correctly. Uh, another one, Isaiah Ford ran a wrong route, uh, and so he hit a, he hit a defender square in the chest. And when you're running that type of offense out there in a game that you the defense knows you're throwing, and you hit enough receivers in the hands that you had that many drops, not just to mention the the misrun routes, to his accuracy is the biggest thing for him. And it, it's he doesn't have the greatest arm strength on the planet. He's not going to throw a ball through a brick wall, but he's going to put it where it needs to be. And that's something we heard Fitzpatrick talk about, both on pressers and you name it. There are throws that he can make. Like you look at, there was actually a throw to Mac Hollins earlier in the year that won a game for them. That was a ridiculously beautiful throw. I think the the completion percentage on that from the advanced analytics was something like there was a two percent chance of actually completing a pass like that, and he put it where it needed to be through two defenders over Max outside shoulder in the end zone in, in a ridiculous spot where only his receivers could get it. So seeing him be able to drive off that back leg this year is going to be huge for us. I, so I'll just quickly shout. Like I, I think the biggest thing, and, and I believe it was uh, touched on a little earlier, but they have to open up the offense for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see whether they didn't open up the offense last year because they didn't think he could handle opening up the offense or if it was just like, look, we're terrified to open up the offense. And that's why the Dolphins went out and changed the offensive coordinator. Now, I'm fascinated by that because I know I got screamed at all year by Steelers fans when they'd be like, well, it's not fair to Big Ben. They didn't open up the offense. I'm like, well, they can't. He has no arm. He has no arm. If they open up the offense, he's going to throw 35 interceptions, and they know it, which is why a bubble screen for them is a deep ball, right? Like Now, for Miami, obviously, two has got the arm. It's not a question of whether or not physically he can do it. But that I am curious about because, you know, Kat, you mentioned that, look, when he played against the, the Raiders, not a good defense. Denver, a pretty good defense. He he struggled in those games. I remember the Kansas City game where 
he was somewhat uneven. Like he he had stretches where he played very well, then other stretches where they didn't play as well. Now, now to be fair, Parker left that game early. Gasicki got hurt. That game kind of became a sideshow by the second half for them. I think there's some talent in the sense that at Alabama, he was great. And and this is at Alabama. He wasn't playing up in the Mountain West. Okay, so I do think there's talent, but I want to see them open up this offense. They got the weapons now. Like you've got to open it up. And if they're going to win that division, it's going to be because they open it up and he plays well in that structure because they're not going to beat out Buffalo and Josh Allen by throwing little dinks and dunks. They're going to need him to get some chunk play. Speaking of the Bills, we got some NFL topics for you guys. And um, we're going to start with the uh, interesting, there's a word, comments from Cole Beasley, who on Twitter, good old Cole, wide receiver of your Buffalo Bills, uh, says he has no plans to get the vaccine. That quote, I'm going to live my one life like I want to regardless quote, I'll be outside doing what I do. I'll be out in the public. If you're scared of me, then steer clear or get vaccinated. Point blank, period. I may die of COVID, but I'd rather actually, but I'd rather die actually living. Hashtag Cole Beasley. Um, For a transcript of Cole's thoughts, you can email us at stackinthebox.com. What a, what a, well, I think the word I'm looking for is moron. Uh, but Vernon asking the question, Does he? is there going to be a movement? Because there is – listen, I, I was reading another thing today. Um, you know, it had six anonymous players. This was from the defector. And, you know, some first player, second-year offensive player, unvaccinated, undecided. He had COVID. And you got a bunch of guys who had got COVID. And, uh, you know, then this player six is a veteran defensive uh, free agent, unvaccinated. Uh, had COVID. So guys who, you know, had it, experienced it, they're not getting the the vaccine. This is the wild west out there. So um, I don't know. The NFL is doing their best to get, get guys information, but uh, do we think there's going to be like a strong movement that guys are just not going to do it? Period. That's the question. Uh, Verderam, you, here, Kat, why don't you go first and we'll move around the horn here. Well, first, I wouldn't know what Cole Beasley looks like out in public. Um, it's not like... <laughs> It's not like seeing like LeBron James out or anything like that. So I don't know how I could avoid him. Number two, um, you may see some guys follow suit, but I think the NFL has a way of making it a little bit difficult um, if he decides not to get the vaccine as far as following protocols. Yeah, for me, I'll jump in. It's I, from what we're hearing Players that have gotten vaccinated are going to have things opened up for them. Players that have not are going to be under the ruling of of the 2020 season. And at some point, it's going to be prohibitive. And that's going to be, if Cole Beasley's caught out not following those, he's probably going to get fined at first. And then he's probably going to get suspended. And does anybody in the NFL, as Kat alluded to with LeBron James, do any NFL fans outside of the Bills really care if Cole Beasley's on an NFL field every week I, I just it it's I think the answer is probably good. a resounding no unless you're in the Beasley family like it's a joke and I don't think we're going to see a rash of it I think Cole Beasley may end up actually pushing more players to get the vaccine because he is front and center um, confronting the NFL on their stance for it and I think the NFL is probably going to end up keeping a very close eye on Cole, Cole Beasley and what he does, and he's probably going to be the poster boy for, you might want to go get this because look what happened to Cole. 
That's a great point. You you put yourself in the spotlight, and that's probably it's not I, what a what a bad choice on so many levels. Go ahead, Matt. First of all, I, I agree completely with that sentiment uh, by Paul. And also, listen, I wrote about this as the lead in my, my column on Monday. I, I interviewed three different agents um, and was told, look, I'm, you know, my one agent has a lot of clients. I'm having a really hard time with this. It's been a major pain in the ass, essentially. Um, you know, another agent basically said, I'm not dealing with it. The teams can deal with it. And then another said, yeah, you know what, this, this memo is going to really help me. But I think the one thing that, that was agreed upon was that memo, that wasn't just an NFL memo. That was also the NFL PA. Mm-hmm. And when you have both of those sides, which, you know, like any union in management, you know, a lot of times there's bickering and back and forth. Well, they agreed on this, right? Like this is going to be something where you know, I saw Cole Beasley. I, I, I can't remember if he said it or tweeted it or what. At this point, I've seen a lot of Cole Beasley over the last week. But it was something to the effect of, well, right now the union is not protecting us, but this is only preseason measures. Bro, if you think these things are going away in September, I got a bridge to sell you. Like, they're not going anywhere. If you're not vaccinated, you are going to be under draconian law, essentially, in the NFL. That's the way it's going to be. I think, and I saw Amy Trask on Twitter put this out, former Raiders CEO, um, and I totally, I, I wholeheartedly agree with her you're going to see a lot of guys get vaccinated during camp when they get in there and all their buddies are hanging out and they're not restricted and they can do all this stuff. And none of these guys can do anything. They are going to get vaccinated. They're not going to want to put up with it, but I'm very curious to see, you know, when these teams go on road trips, what if somebody like a Cole Beasley says, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to Olive Garden. I'm going to live my truth. Okay. Well, guess what? You're going to get the you're going to get the fines. You're going to get the penalties. You're going to get the potential suspensions. I am fascinated to see how this splits teams this year. And actually, the Dolphins are one of the teams that's the most vaccinated. It was put out that them and this day and the Saints are pretty much already at the 85 percent threshold the NFL is looking for. So kudos to them. There are some other teams that haven't even hit 50 percent yet. And I'm telling you right now, there are going to be a couple teams that have outbreaks this year, and there are going to be guys on those teams who are vaccinated who are furious who say what the hell we're stuck playing with half a roster missing five starting players because you didn't get vaccinated it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the nfl season yeah and you brought up a great point as well about the olive garden thing and to to piggyback off what cat said earlier you know i probably wouldn't have recognized cole beasley out in public um you know outside of his nfl uniform before now like now if you know they're playing up here in New England, and I go to the Olive Garden and I see Cole Beasley, I'm gonna be like, dude, that's Cole Beasley. They're playing the Dolph, you know, they're playing they're playing the Patriots tomorrow. Yeah, Pat's record stinks right now anyway with Cam and Mac at quarterback. Hey, Twitter, look look at Cole Beasley out here unvaccinated at the Olive Garden, hugging his waitress and taking selfies with fans, like you know, and not even say anything bad about it. Just eh, hey, look at Cole Beasley out here, <laughs> and you know, For sure. It's going to run its course from there because that's going to go absolutely viral. And the NFL is going to go, hey, Mr. Unvaccinated Cole Beasley, who's supposedly in his hotel room for bed check at three in the afternoon as soon as your plane landed. Guess what, buddy? You're not playing tomorrow. And the fans, because of how well the NFL and the NFLPA have, have joined up together on this, the fan, the fans are going to turn on the player, and it doesn't matter who it is. If Kansas City 
has to play without Pat Mahomes as an example, and I have no idea what his vaccination status is. He actually is, is vaccinated. But, but, but if he was eight. unvaccinated and Kansas City had to play without him, and they miss a run at a potential Super Bowl sure, because of the fact that Pat Mahomes is sitting there going, ah, I'm going to go play with my friends outside because I, and I'm not going to get a shot. Eventually those fans, as the season wears on, and the team loses a handful of games with, God, who do they have backing up right now? Isn't it's it? Chad uh, Henney. <laughs> Chad Henney. Somehow won a playoff game. Oh, that's just, you know, things happen by accident on occasion. Um, but, I mean, if they're trying to make a run at things with Chad Henney, and, you know, the fans are going to turn on him when the NFL and the NFLPA are like, look, all you have to do is go to your local CVS or Walgreens, sit in line for a minute, and, and let somebody stick you with a needle. It's the NFL. They'll bring it to them. Mm-hmm. They'll bring yeah, it. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it, you, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I would literally let them shoot me up with anything for Patrick Mahone's con- contract or Cole Beasley's. Let's face it. Right, <laughs> right. Give me sure. the minimum. I'm in. Let's go. You, yeah, you, let's you, get it. Experimental trial. Uh, gentlemen, we appreciate the time. I got one more topic for you before we let you guys get on out of here. And, again, everybody, uh, you know, thank you for listening to Stack in the Box. But to check out on the Finn side, Cat uh, and Paul are killing it over there. And uh, if you're not reading on the, uh, the Dolphins coverage, you're not living your life the right way as well. Uh, since you guys are, you know, we're living the Dolphins' life here. I figured we'd talk Tom Brady. Uh, and he does say that playing until 50 is a stretch. But when you've lived your life having Tom Brady beat you year in and year out, uh, maybe you just don't believe that. I think Brady's going to play to 85 myself. Um, do you actually believe that Tom is going to hang it up before he turns 50? Because maybe that guy is just going to keep going and going and going. And, I mean, I'm also curious, like, do you all think that Tampa Bay is, is along those lines? Do you think they're the favorite this year? Because Verderam, I think you've – basically and a lot of people think because they brought everyone back that, well, here we go. He's just going to do it again. I mean, offhand, I'd say nobody can play to 50. But I also thought really nobody could play to 44 at this level. So – I, I would be in for it. Yeah. That, that he plays to 50 years old. And I'm just so happy that he's not in the dolphins division anymore. Cause you know, dealing with that for, for almost two decades is not something I want to do again. As far as their team, they brought everybody back. They didn't sign anybody, but they didn't lose anybody in Tampa. So you've got to think that they're one of the favorites here for, for next year. Um, yeah, but also, you know, with those defending Super Bowl champions, yes, they're usually favored heading into the next year, but it's really difficult to repeat in the NFL. So if, if I would probably pick a different team to actually win the Super Bowl, but yeah, I think they've got to be one of the favorites again. Yeah, I'll, I'll take both halves of that question as well. Uh, for right now, Tampa Bay is the favorite. They, they, and, and they haven't lost anybody key. They, they've re-signed some folks. They did well in the draft. Um, Still pissed they got Jalen Darden, to be honest with you, because I loved him going into the draft. But end of the day, until somebody knocks you off, you're you're the June favorite for the Super Bowl. And you, you take that in a roll of quarters, you can play some arcade games. Um, as far as Tom Brady playing till 50, I'm going to go without, and I'm going to reference something that you said earlier, Matt. It, it's talking about Ben Roethlisberger. You go two, three years ago, Roethlisberger was hitting people anywhere on the field, whether they were 60 yards away or not. You watch him last year, and we've made this reference on our show, it looked like my grandma trying to throw left-handed, and she's not a lefty. It, it, just, it was ugly. It was horrific. 
and it all dropped off all at once. It wasn't a gradual degrade over time. It was just he could throw and then he couldn't. You look at Drew Brees. It hurt yep. watching him throw the ball at the end of last season. It hurt to watch him because it's it's like watching a great player just completely fall apart before your eyes all at once. Um, and that's probably going to happen to Tom Brady at some point. But I'll, I'll, I'll even make it more fun. I'll give you a bold prediction on that question, Mark. It's I think Frank Gore has a chance to play to older than Tom Brady does at this point. I think we'll see Frank Gore in the league when Tom Brady is gone and for maybe another two years as a third-string running back somewhere that comes in and just has that one lighted-up game once a year. That's awesome. That's hilarious. And Frank Gore really might never retire. Um, I do not think Brady is going to play more than two more seasons. Look, they won the Super Bowl last year, and you got to give them all the credit in the world for that. Okay, He goes there. He's a huge difference maker. He was not good for – Long stretches of that season. Early in the year, he didn't play particularly well. You could say, okay, he didn't know the offense, fine. He was not good in the playoffs. Like If you go look at his performance in the playoffs, he was was okay against Washington. He was horrific in New Orleans. They won the game because Breeze was even worse. He He was downright horrific in Green Bay, where he threw three picks in the second half of that game. If the Packers could have done anything, they would have won the game. And against the Chiefs, he was fine. Now, to be fair, he didn't have to do much. The Chiefs were busy just self-destructing. But it wasn't as though he did a ton. I kind of subscribe to the theory that at the age he's at, one of two things happens. You either get an injury that you just really can't recover from or uh, you know, just because of just wear and tear on the body. Or you kind of go the way of a, a lot of pitchers. You know, the fastball just goes. And when it goes, it's gone. And there's no getting it back. So – I'd still take him for a couple more years. I, I think he'll be there through 45. I think that probably is it. As far as him being the favorite, I've said this on the show before, so I'll be brief. Look, I don't ever pick rematches in Super Bowls because, first of all, it hasn't happened since 1993, and it just it, it, it is so hard to pick that, especially in the salary cap age. I, I have a hard time picking anything else. Like They just look so much like the two best teams. I mean – in the AFC, does Buffalo challenge Kansas City? Does Cleveland do it? Like, I don't know. I mean, if, if Mahomes is healthy, I'm not picking against them, especially if they're home in these games. And in, in the NFC, I mean, if Rodgers is back with Green Bay, you could certainly make that argument. But unless it's them, I mean, then it, then you get into, like, is Seattle better? Is Los Angeles better? I'd have to probably take Tampa. Right, so that that's where I sit. But of course, as we all know, you know, the, you have a better likelihood of neither one of those playoffs, or one of those teams making the playoffs, than actually get both of them getting back to the Super. Bowl. Come over the top, Cat and Paul. The Dolphins are going to be there. That's what's happening. Our coverage is going to be amazing. The podcast is going to be incredible. It's the year of Tua and company. Damn it! Yeah, I was going to say you look at the record last year, and Cat and I both predicted they they actually increased their win total this year. I mean, Tua is going to be playing without. Isaiah Ford being a starting receiver unless things go utterly That's awry. Key. I mean, the receiving threats alone that they have now with Will Fuller in the fold after week one, um, with Gesicki, with Hunter Long, who we haven't touched on, um, with Devontae Parker back, with what Albert Wilson has looked like in camp is the receiver they signed, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, you know, like, the list goes on. It, it's um, Lynn Bowden Jr. looked very good as a developmental prospect last year. So it's it's they 
have a ridiculous receiving room. They have a ridiculous tight end room. And Miles Gaskin did a lot better than people realized last year. So they've got all the weapons around him. They've got a, you know, they continue to restock that young offensive line that gets a bad rap because of the fact that, you know, they started three rookies and weren't the top offensive line in the NFL last year. Wow. Who expected that with three rookies starting? But they all looked the part. So it's, it's, yeah, this is a year I think Miami definitely goes to the playoffs. And we all know once you get to the playoffs, a lot of things can happen. And to touch on what you said before, Matt, Tampa looks like the favorite in the NFC because everybody else in the NFC has question marks in a lot of areas. The NFC yep. was just bad last year. And outside of, you know, will Brady decline? Give me a question that Tampa has. So. I think with Tampa, if they're healthy, they're just the best team in the NFC, period. Mm-hmm. Big thing with them is they've got a lot of older guys. If they're healthy, yeah, they should win 12, 13 games and be right back in the mix. Yeah. I think Go the ahead. NFC in general is pretty bad right now, especially if you take – if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back to Green Bay. I mean, that bears watching too. I mean, I look at – you know, the 49ers aren't what they were a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Seattle's kind of your run-of-the-mill 10- or 11-win team that, that can't get too far in the playoffs now. Uh, you know, I think the AFC is incredibly strong. And uh, just, uh, you know, touch off on on the Dolphins and Tua this year here. You know, it's to me, it's everything's completely up in the air. He certainly has the weapons. What Where I look at where he needs to be at the end of, let's say, 2022, for a season, he has to have, let's say, 4,200, over a 17-game season, let's say 4,200 passing yards, 28 touchdowns, 12 or 13 interceptions. If he does that, he's going to be top 10, top 12 among quarterbacks in all of those major categories. That's where he has to be, especially with the weapons the Dolphins have there. If he's not, then the Dolphins can head into the 2023 draft, say, we've got two first-round picks, and we've seen Tua for three years, and we're not going to waste any more time on on this quarterback because we spent 11 years thinking Chad Henney and Ryan Tannehill were the guy. That's an excellent place to end this one. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to have you. We appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you during the season. And uh, I love the optimism coming out of, uh, well, you guys aren't exactly in Miami, but Hey, I, I feel like it's, uh, I'm going to call it out of South beach. Damn it. You're we'll take that's, it. That, that's where your heart is. That's what's right. Uh, Anything special, Verderam, you got going on in your life as we say goodbye here on Stag in the Box? Anybody else can jump in here if, they, if you want to talk about your personal life. But Verderam always gives a little personal anecdote on our way out. Always, always for the people. First of all, real quick, I just want to say thank you very much. A new review uh, by Cheeto Freak, uh, who's yeah. genuinely, genuinely one of the most entertaining football podcasts. Um, and we asked last week, give us your top five teams. Give us the power rankings. He goes Kansas City, Green Bay, Buffalo, Tampa, and Cleveland. Also, who's going to be a dud? Uh, I, I could go – or he said, I'm going to have to pick the Rams to blow it. I don't think Stafford is going to be able to elevate the team as much as his price tag would suggest. They make a fight of it, but I think they flop. So I want to thank him very much for the uh, for the review and for the feedback and also some very nice words about uh, – Carm, you and I that I'm not going to touch on because frankly, I think, I think it's, it's, it's so nice that it's, it's not even fair. Um, my personal life, three days from now, I'm going on a 20 day vacation. So Carm, it's on you for the next three weeks, buddy. It's on wow. you. Wow. That's, that's right. Of, that's a lot of pressure. That's right. So yeah. it's, uh, 
it's going to be it's going to be off to Connecticut and then off to New York and then back home. But I'm looking forward to a uh, little time at the ocean, a little time at the lake. Get to see some fireworks on, on the, the weekend of the 4th and uh, get up to Cooperstown for a day. Uh, get down to Manhattan for a day. It'll be it'll be fun. It'll be good. It'll recharge the battery. And then uh, when I'm back, when I'm back in mid July, it's it's football season, baby. That's it. We are we're uh, rolling right into it. Thirty two teams uh, get, getting after it here as we get into what should be a much more normal NFL season. Very nice, very nice, uh, gentlemen. Any any final thoughts from Cat and Paul here? Go ahead, Cat. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, completely with you. I'm just so happy that we can look at August and say we're going to see training camp and preseason football because I it's, it was almost like you had to, you know, decode the schedule last year, just like the whole league was being created from scratch again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about about this season here. You know, I, I've got, you know, I, Dolphins won 10 games last year. Um, I think they'll be right at that point again this year. The offense has to be better, but – the Dolphins also had a lot of things working for them last year. They created a lot of turnovers. Xavier Howard had 10 picks. Jason Sanders hit, what, 23 field goals in a row. So there were some things that may not happen again with the Dolphins. So they've got to use the offense to uh, to elevate that, uh, th- those things that may not happen again on the defensive side of the ball. So anyway, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Oh, and Matt, I just want to say enjoy Connecticut. I'm glad you're coming up here, even if I am running away since I'm getting married. For the time that you're spending right in my neck of the woods it's uh you know you you, you came to fix the population as i depart so yeah it's perfect thanks for doing that man you're welcome i welcome yeah. and congratulations good for you and and just to wrap up on my end here i was trying to go out to the east coast and uh i sent my email application to the u.s open as i was dreaming about being a ball boy uh for the 2021 tournament and I listed all my credentials, my flexibility, my yoga, the fact that I play tennis three days a week, uh, my ranking of which is of between the four and four five, which is a significant ranking. But I did get the denial letter. Thank you. Your credentials are impressive, but unfortunately, we do not think you are a fit for the 2021 U.S. Open. So I will not be traveling east for an official tryout and or to uh, be a part of the two-week tournament. I was. I'm heartbroken, I think, as you all can tell. And uh, I thank you for giving me the time to express right here. It, it means a lot to me. So, so thank you. Carm, well That's done. Dead well silence. Done. I got it. All right. And, uh, hey. Hey, are you going to the tournament? All just I will go to. Yes, I'll be going okay. to the tournament. Thank you very much. Uh, so, look, you me. know what, man? I've never <laughs> gone to the tournament. I've been by Arthur Ashe a million times, obviously, being a New Yorker. I, look, you're better off. You don't no. have to sit there. No, no, no. Listen, listen. You're better no. off. You get to sit there and have a twelve dollar uh, bottle of water, and and you don't have you don't have to sweat to death sitting there on the side of the court running around when somebody has a damn let, or you know, they, or they crackle into the net. You get to sit up there, get a bunch of overpriced food and drink, and if you start feeling heat stroke coming on, you get out of there and you don't end up on the not top ten. So it, it's all better for you in the end. I appreciate you saying that, but the dream is still alive. I, I, I'm going to train hard, and hopefully 2022 will be my year. Cat and Paul, thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Thanks, and Verim, always good guys. to see you. Enjoy your vacation. Thank you all for listening to Stacking the Box. Any reviews are always appreciated. We will see you next week.
This podcast is brought to you by Fansided. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.